So um, I hope you can all hear me okay. Um, I'm just recovering from flu, so I haven't got quite as strong voice as I usually have. Um, and I want to thank Tom, really, for <clears throat> giving us this opportunity um, to kind of pause a bit and reflect about Advent, about light in the darkness, um, especially if, like me, you kind of feel that mad rush towards Christmas. It's good to stop and reflect for a moment. And I was thinking about darkness and light, um, and I don't know how many of you have experienced real darkness, where there's not even a pinprick of light. And I remember last summer, we were walking in the hills in Montenegro, and we were taken um, into a bat cave. Don't ask. Um, but uh, at one point, we were actually all encouraged to turn off our head torches and to experience real darkness. And I realized then that I have never truly experienced that before. And it's thick and almost intangible. I can see Pippa nodding. Perhaps you've experienced it too. And it's very weird because your eyes open really wide and try to see. You feel as though you can see the people around you, and, but actually you can't see a thing. And it's really, really disorientating and, um, and scary. Um, and it made me realize that actually with God, we are never left in total darkness. That there is always, even in our darkest times, a pinprick of light that can show us the way out. So that's just a thought to, to start us off this evening. Um, and I think maybe this evening we're thinking a little bit about darkness, about maybe some of the hidden places in our own souls that are dark, that we don't want to look at. We're thinking a bit about places in the world where there's desolation, where there's terror, poverty, injustice. But in the midst of all of this, we know... Um, and Tom, maybe you could light a candle for us. That would be lovely if you don't mind. Um, we know that the light of Christ um, is never extinguished. It burns in the darkness, and it's going to burn for eternity. And so we can hold on to that in our hearts. And I came across um, a lovely quote while I was preparing for this uh, talk, um, which says, Faith, faith is the bird that feels the light and sings when the dawn is still dark. Faith is the bird that feels the light and sings when the dawn is still dark. And I kind of felt that that sums up Advent in a way, that in Advent, as we look to the coming of the light and we recognize the time when the, the light is not in the world, um, that still we feel the light and we can still sing because we know that the dawn will come. And so we're, we're going to have a look at Luke. Um, and Joe Skinner told me this week that um, the book of Luke has 24 chapters in it. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I never have before. And it's like a kind of advent calendar. Um, and she's reading a chapter a day uh, in the build-up to Christmas. And as you might imagine, I've been spending a lot of time with Luke um, over the past couple of weeks in preparation for this evening. And in a way, um, it tells the very first Advent story leading to the birth of Christ. And it's a very familiar story. It's a beautiful story. And we see the play of darkness and light 
Um, we see troubled times under the Romans. Um, we see the interplay of power and politics. We see suffering of the people. And we see the hearts of many turned away from God. And all of that sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And yet wonderful things were happening too. The fulfillment of poetic, prophetic words of truth. Um, as it says in Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And we read that in the midst of these troubled times, songs emerged, didn't they? Some are very familiar. Mary's song, I think, is very familiar to most of us. Um, The song of the angels reassuring the shepherds in the field and telling the good news. The song of Simeon um, on seeing the Christ for the first time. And they're all familiar songs of praise and wonder. But this evening we're focusing on the song of of Zechariah or Zachariah. depends on your version of the Bible, um, which, by the way, means God has remembered. That's what Zechariah's name means, which seems very fitting for him. And as we'll see, um, his song, although it's, I think, probably less well-known, less familiar to us, it's a song of joy. It's a response. It's his response to God's goodness. And it's also a prophecy, a word from God for the people and also for us now, I believe. So let's just go back a bit and set the context for this song um, and think a bit about who Zechariah was. He was a priest. He was married to Elizabeth, who was also, she was a woman of priestly descent. So both of them were described in the Bible as being upright and blameless, as being faithful and sincere. And those descriptions actually are used also to describe um, Joseph and Simeon, other sort of key characters in the nativity story. But they bore as a couple the sorrow of not having children. And in those days, on top of that personal pain, they would have also had to deal with the kind of social reproach and and even shame that went with being childless in those days. Um, And particularly for a priest and the daughter of a priest to be childless would have been seen as a sign of God's disfavor on them. And yet, as we see, um, nothing could be further from the truth. So... Here in this story, we see um, this faithful couple coming towards the end of their days. And Zechariah, at this point in his life, is chosen by lot um, for a really um, responsible and um, sacred role, um, which would only come to a priest once in his lifetime, if that. And he's chosen to refresh the incense, to keep the incense burning in the, the Holy of Holies, on the altar that before God. And um, it was here that he heard this incredible news from the angel Gabriel. This almost unbelievable news that he, he and his wife, who some say were possibly even in their 80s, um, were going to have a child. And their son John is in a way, I think, an Advent child because he points the way in the darkness to the Christ who is to come. He's a miracle child, isn't he? He's an unexpected answer to a lifetime's prayer. Um, and in a, there was a sense in which um, Zechariah saw two of his prayers answered in that moment. His prayer for a son. But also, um, I didn't know this, but apparently Jewish couples pray and are prayed over that they will be the couple who finally give birth to the Messiah. That's very, very beautiful. Um, just a shame that they've 
not recognize the Messiah. But for Zechariah, hearing from the angel that his um, son would be born and that he would prepare the way for the Lord was answering both his heartfelt prayers. And yet it's not surprising, is it, that, you know, at his age um, and the age of his wife, he couldn't quite believe this good news. And so he asked for a sign. And he got it, didn't he? (laughs) But perhaps not quite the sign that he was expecting because actually he was struck dumb at that moment and he was silenced for nine months or more. And imagine what that must have been like to, to not be able to talk with his wife about this amazing thing that was happening to them, to not be able to share the good news with his friends because, after all, this is way before the time of Facebook and WhatsApp and all the other means we have now of sharing good news with our friends. And so um, he was silenced. Um, all he could do, really, is to listen. And imagine that, listening for nine months, listening to his wife as she prepared for the birth of their son, listening, I imagine, to his own heart and to all that was going on there that he couldn't express. And I think, too, listening to God. And he must have learned so much in that Advent time of waiting watching, longing, yearning for the coming of his son. And then after that, for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And so finally, after nine months are up, and in fact nine months and then eight days after the birth of his son, finally God gives him back his voice. His tongue's loosened and he is set free to praise God And it's almost as though God, his maker, as we've heard in some of the words that Tom used and in some of the words from the the songs that we've been singing, it's almost as though God, his maker, has been writing his song in him, in his heart, through all those months of enforced silence. And it reminded me that actually darkness, stillness, darkness, can be a time of growth and renewal. And... um, Here's something I prepared earlier. hope you can all see that. Um, It's some new bulbs with just the little green shoots just starting to to peep up above the surface. They've been forced. They're coming on early, aren't they? And it reminded me that like bulbs, sitting quietly under the ground, in the cold, in the dark, just waiting for their time to sprout and to, to have new life, that actually in our lives too, sometimes times of darkness are the times of most growth and the times that really bear fruit. That's certainly something I could witness too in my own life. I don't know about you. So I think if that resonates with you, and maybe if at the moment you're struggling, you're feeling distant from God, um, maybe you have a sadness in your life, whatever it is, take heart. Because as it says in Job, and as we've been singing this evening, God, our maker, will give you songs in the night. Songs to encourage and affirm you. And a song that springs out of the unseen miracles that God is doing in the midst of the ordinary. And Zechariah's song is full of joy and praise for God, unsurprisingly. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the Bible in verse 67. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. 
And so these are words given to Zechariah by God. And his vision goes way beyond the miracle that happened to his family. And he's speaking about the redemption of God's people, Israel. And it reminds us, I think, of another unexpected and miraculous birth when Isaac was born to Abraham and Sarah, again in their later years. And of God's promise to Abraham and to each one of us that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. So Zechariah was speaking out truth in the power of the Spirit, and his song tells us of God's saving purposes in coming to dwell among men. So he tells us that God has visited and has provided redemption for his people. His people then, his people now, his people yet to come. He tells us that the price for our sin has already been paid because God himself came down to earth and became flesh. He tells us that our victory over our enemies is already assured that God will deliver us. And in verse 77 he tells us the forgiveness of our sins is certain. This is why God came. This is why he comes. This is why he will come again. And so this is the message of Christmas, isn't it? As it says in verse 78, our God is full of tender mercy. And Zechariah sings to glorify God, a God who keeps his promises, who answers prayer, and who fulfills the words of the ancient prophets. I think there are something like 460 signs in the Old Testament that point to and identify the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah. And I must admit, in preparing for this evening, I thought this would be such a beautiful time of year to um, read the book of Isaiah, which is full of promises about the coming Messiah. But something else that um, Zechariah sings about is God's transforming power for those who trust and follow him. And he says that we will be spiritually transformed because we will serve our God And that we will be emotionally transformed because we will serve him without fear. And that, in a sense, our behavior will be transformed because we will do it in holiness and in righteousness. And all these are things, aren't they, that we can't do in our own strength. We can only do them in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And finally, at the end, he sings of the unmatchable glory of God and references that beautiful picture of the rising sun that will come to us from heaven, which takes me back to that lovely quote about the birds singing in the darkness before the dawn. And he likens God to the rising sun who will shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death and who will guide our feet into the path of peace. So we know that the sun will break through and bring freedom and light even to those in the shadow of death. And this is the song of an old man, but it's the song of an old man who held a miracle child in his arms and who contemplated the greater miracle that would unfold even in his lifetime. So no wonder he was full of song. And as I think about this, I I wonder what our songs look or sound like. I know, I don't know about you, but 
we're not all given the gift of music, are we? I'm certainly not. But I believe that we are all given the gift of a creative response to the light of Christ in the world. And they are the songs that God gives us, that God lays on our hearts when we're full of the Holy Spirit, like Zechariah, when we're amazed at what God is doing in our lives, when we're full of praise and thanksgiving. But also, I think even in the darkness, even when we feel abandoned, when we feel far from God, when we're struggling, even then, when we turn to God, when we look to the light of his love, even if it's just a pinprick in the darkness that feels far away, we can come to him and ask him to give us a song in the night. And it says there's some, there's some beautiful words in Isaiah which say, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So, in a moment, we are going to invite you to come and share in the light. But I think before we do that, it would be lovely just to take a few moments in the quiet to dwell on what it means to us that Jesus has come, that Jesus is coming, and that Jesus will come again. And to ask him with faith to touch the dark and tender places in our lives and to put his song on our hearts.